Welcome to the 1 million euro stories. I am Eris. I shine a light on female founders who raise capital, especially a half million euros and up. I am welcoming our guests to the studio. Welcome. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Arosha. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Quan. Tell me a little bit about what Quan is doing. Yes, of course. So Quan is what we call B2B um, software. So we sell into organizations. Um, and the problem that we're looking to solve is, is one around well-being. Um, quite often, organizations have very clear KPIs, financial KPIs. Um, uh, but what we've seen recently is we're having a, a lot of burnouts and a lot of people that aren't feeling too well at work. So we're developing software to see if we can not only uh, create great products and services, but we can also treat people right in the process of doing that. So it's software about well-being, basically. Welcome. This is part two. You stop talking to the VCs, the venture capitalist um, strategy. Strategy. You see, it's so important, like depending on how much money you raise, to make sure that you have a clear plan of attack on what you need to hit, what are the targets, right? And mm -hmm. then what do you need to get there? And, you know, being pretty honest with where should the money go, where are we going to get the biggest return um, versus um, what's nice to have and maybe not something that we need right now, especially if you didn't raise as much as you want or if the market around you is, is not good, which could impact your sales, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's, you know, good two weeks of just uh, firstly as a founder being very clear on where do we want to be uh, in order to raise that next round, of course. Um, um, uh, you know, how can we, you know, get to profitability as quickly as possible? You know, how, what does that look like even, you know? Um, uh, e even if it's not realistic, you should know how long it will take to get to profitability and how much, funding you need in order to get there that is essentially what you should be looking at um and and then who's the team that that we need right now right now you know and do we have the funds for those people right now and and who do we not need right now but we can bring on later stage you know those sorts of questions that's strategy for me and being very open with the team yeah, because that's really important to strategize what you're going to do, what you need, how much money, yeah. um, because then you have a clear view. Yeah. And I can also feel when things are not going your way, you can look at the strategy yes. in a different scenarios you have. Yeah, exactly. And very clear. And when you have clear targets, then everybody knows, okay, this is where we're moving towards. But at the same time, you know, to my earlier point, what's also important is well-being mm -hmm. because, you know, startup land can be extremely stressful and intense, especially for that founding team members. You know, these people are working with you to 
take an idea and create something out of it that brings value to the world. It's just literally turning something out of dust. It's not even dust, right? Mm -hmm. So it's incredibly important that we are aware and in touch of how people are feeling, their energy levels, and if they're having enough time for themselves and, and they're doing what's necessary to keep all of those other important elements in check because otherwise they won't be able to put the best of them into quantum anyway. No. So it's also like what you put out for the companies also for yourself and, and the people you're working with also that well-being to keep that in check, Absolutely. to notice how you're doing, what do you need? And so you can perform your best. Yeah. Uh, as to yeah. say. And, you know, how was it for you to be in Y Combinator and what did it bring you? It, it was great because we were able to learn from so many amazing people that have built very successful businesses. But the lessons that they give you is not at the Series C, Series D, IPO exit phase. They share the lessons from the pre-product market fit days. They share the lessons from when I was in your seat, this is what I did, right? And it comes from, you know, founder relationships through to, you know, how to get traction through to how to do marketing through to how to have investor conversations. It's just a whole bunch of real conversations. And um, I kind of wish that I was in the States because would have been able to um, sit alongside my batchmates. I think I would have really valued that because everything was done virtually because of COVID. But I was able to meet with just even virtually just really incredible founders, you know, that are experts in their fields, you know, PhDs that are looking to solve various um, problems relating to cancer or you know, creating a new type of car or jet or asteroid mining or, you know, or the latest B2B software that's going to just change the way, you know, payments are done, you know. Like, you know, these people are, you know, some of these people and are going to do really world-changing technology. They're developing world-changing technology. Um But right now, you just see how committed they are, how focused they are, um, what they've sacrificed, um, and, and, and how humble these people are. And, and I think that it is nice to be um, amongst them because it, it, during those low moments, you remember that there are incredible people like that and that they're they're here as well mm -hmm. sounds really inspiring when you have all those kind of people who also know how to be in your seat at your stage yeah. what you're doing which things you need to do and i think that is really valuable information yeah because they know best when you are struggling with product markers fit or yeah. with traction or yeah. other things you are doing they can relate to that yeah so i can imagine that it helps a lot Yeah. So for you, how much money did you raise for Quan? So all up, it's it's now upwards of 1.5 million euros. 
Um, so, and which is a good healthy amount. Um, we are closing the last bit now. Um, so yeah, that's that's the amount that we've raised so far. That's a nice amount of money to raise. Yeah. One and a half million. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, just like feeling it. Like, yeah. don't you then have this moment to celebrate or just feel this milestone? Because I can imagine as a startup, you have so many milestones you want right. to reach, but just also to take time for this, I don't know, this, this moment of achievement or success. I'm going to be honest with you. That is one thing. And actually the team got together and we spoke about it two weeks ago that we did not do that well enough. So ah. we did not celebrate the success that had come because it it was just go, 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 go. Yeah. And pause, go, go. Um, yeah. so we will come together in September to do that. Um, you know, um, but I think it's incredibly important. Um it's it's I I have moments for myself. I love to go for walks. Mm-hmm. And there's this like one place that I tend to kind of this is one spot in front of a lake that I tend to do a lot of um, reminiscing um, in front of. And I I remember being in front of that lake, you know, two years ago when it was just an idea. I remember being in front of that lake when I thought we were running out of cash, you know. And now, you know, I remember being in front of that lake wishing that we had a PhD with org psych that could help us get scientific validation of our of our assessment. And, you know, I'm in front of that lake now and we've, we've made a number of those things happen. Yeah. And I also think because it's so easy to go to the next goal, go to the next KPI, yeah. instead of just having that moment like, wow. Wow. We came this far. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. And, and I keep telling the team we're the 1%, as sad as it is, the 1% mm-hmm. of female founders that raise venture capital in Europe. That is, that is sad. Yeah, it is. The numbers are really low. Yeah, it's really low. And so... Um, very great, grateful, and I'm exceptionally grateful for the people that have helped in and outside of Quan. Mm-hmm. You know, the angels that have made introductions, and the VCs that gave us a chance, and and our customers that were willing to work with an early stage company, and and you know, just very grateful that this is. A movement and so many people think that the topic is important enough to put money or energy or time behind and that is just extremely uh validating yeah it is because i you cannot do it alone so you need yeah. a really good team around you to get things done and also that they can also feel as inspired as you are and motivated to do it together yes absolutely Absolutely. And I'm just like hearing you. I'm just hearing it, like accent from Australia. That's right. Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. Melbourne. Yeah. Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I was carefully listening to you and I thought like, oh, the accent is such a little bit different. <laughs> You're from Melbourne. That's right. Yes. Did you grow up there? I did. I mean, I'm a Sri Lankan born Australian. So I, w- I moved to Australia when I was four. And then at the age of 23, I moved to Holland. I'm 39 now, so I've been here for almost 16 years. 
2016. Oh, wow. Yeah, because when I was in Australia, I could, you know, the, the Australians have a different accent and a way yeah. of talking. And when I was there traveling, I could hear it. So when I was here, you I was like, oh, that is what different. It is. That's what it is. Good old Australian accent. <laughs> but how was it then for you? Because you know, you you're you know, you come from Sri Lanka, you know, you moved to Australia and then to the Netherlands. How did you come to the Netherlands then? Well, it was actually work. I, I came with a company that I worked for um, all those years ago. And uh, yeah, it was just transferred basically. Um, but then I, I met my um now partner and, and father of my two children so sort of decided to make Holland my home and I, I, I love it here I think it's a great place to to raise a family um, I love the Dutch directness and um, yeah just just really happy to to be here and I just remind me of just wondering you you talked a little about sitting at the lake what do you like to do more for your own well-being to yeah. keep yourself in balance Honestly, going for walks, I did not, I was not a walker. I love it and it brings me a lot. So I tend to walk to work and walk home again every day. I am a big traveller um, and COVID uh, impacted that a bit. But this year I was able to go to Thailand. We're going to Paris this weekend. Um, seeing new things, seeing different people, sharing those experiences with my children um are really important for me so making time to, to to see different parts of the world or places um and um yeah those two are the really important things and quality conversation quality conversation is really important for me having deep and meaningful conversations with the few people that i interact with um I really love human beings and I, and, I, and I recognize that I couldn't put my heart and soul into a well-being platform if I didn't care for humans. Um, so when I do meet people, I genuinely care about that person. So I'm always looking to make meaningful connections and those things for me are what I do uh, which give me a lot of energy. And I'm wondering, you know, you know that you know female founders get funded, mm-hmm. which is really low. Yeah. How did you deal with those stats um, with fundraising? Because you know it would be tough. You just push that aside, Iris, because um, my dad was an engineer, and I was I was raised in a world of logic and fact, and my dad always taught me that. You know, being an engineer, he had to work with salespeople and, you know, they talk a lot. And I'm someone that can talk a lot. But he always said, just make sure you know your facts and your stats when you're in a room. Because people can talk, but at the end of the day, you can just say one thing with a fact and it just shuts everybody else down. So just make sure you know that when you walk into a room, you are the most well-informed person there. And for the rest, it's noise. I don't go into a room thinking I'm the only brown person there or I'm the only female there. I go into a room thinking I've done the research. I know my facts. I know my story. And whenever someone says something to me or argues or asks a question or whatever, 
my go-to is not they've asked this because I'm brown or because I'm female. They're asking me something because it's not clear. And if, it, if I have to repeat myself, and this has happened more than twice or three times, then I think is a message coming not so clear to you because of who is saying and not what is being said. But my first instance is what I'm saying is not clear. Let me clarify it for you. But if it proves to me, and it's only happened a very handful of times in my 16 years of professional career, that they're not getting the message and I know my facts and my stats are there, then there's no point in us conversing anymore because you just need to hear it from someone else. So for you, and what you've learned from your father is just to keep your stats, your keep data. Your facts, keep your facts, keep your stats, know what you're talking about. Be the most informed person in the room. No one will argue with that. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when you're lying on a hospital bed and someone's going to operate on you, you want the person that is studied the most and knows the most, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, at that point, you, it's no longer about the colour of the skin, you know. It is who knows and who can do this successfully. You know what? I think VCs look at it the same way. The, the, the point is that there is unconscious bias, and I'm not saying that that does not exist. Absolutely not. But what can we do on the receiving end? Well, you can't go in and, and, and unwire someone with unconscious bias, right? But what you can do is to take that chip off your shoulder and control what you can control. Because if you go around the world thinking everybody's got something against me, well, guess what? That's all you're going to see. But if you go into the world with I'm solving a problem, I'm the best person for the job and I've got the best team to do it and nobody has the conviction, determination and perseverance that I do, well, that's a hard argument to lose, right? Yeah, because that's also a different energy. Yeah. When you know your stats, when you know your data and you're convinced that you're the best, you're doing the best and you have an amazing team, it has a different energy. Yes. You don't leave room for that doubt. Yeah, it's as it's it's such a different energy. I just, you know, when I'm talking to different women, different female founders, and I notice when doubt creeps in. Yeah. You know, when it's just creeping in and I can feel that they're starting to doubt, then the whole energy changes. Yeah. And you can feel that. Yeah. And it's difficult because when doubt kicks in, it's there. It's there. And I'm not just like wondering, because you have done so many, uh, you know, interviews with VCs, how do you handle um, the rejections or the things not going right or not not clicking how do you handle that fact-based why was there a rejection was it valid and if so what's the learning how do we go back to them and prove that actually this is the hypothesis that we had i'm not going to change my business model because they had some passing idea but if they had something which i had already been thinking about that lucy and i had already seen we are putting together not only questions from VCs, but questions from customers, right? It all goes into one pile. That's basically how you deal with it. Nothing is taken personally. 
it is all about, okay, the storyline, fair. What they say is fair. They have a business to run. There's a mismatch here. This is what they'd need to see. These are their concerns. I wish them well with their business. They wish them, they wish me well with mine. No hard feelings. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you can't go around measuring yourself by, by what other people say about you. That, 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 that's, that's the tricky part, you know? Yeah. The tricky part is that you just that you feel it personally coming. Yeah, but it's this is why it's important when someone asked me the other day, I have two daughters, one and a half, seven-year-old. Someone asked me the other day, what's the most important skill that your daughter, you know, that you want to impart to your daughter? I said self-confidence. I'd like to also add self-efficacy, right, which is her ability to judge a situation not based on what the world is telling her but from her own self which is why education is important, which is why it's important to always go learn because you don't want to be the person that goes around looking at the world in a skewed way because you're a spoiled brat, right? That's why you need to inform mm-hmm. yourself and be, you know, c- continuously put yourself in situations so your, your own perception is growing. But at the end of the day, you need to be able to hold your own in a room full of doubters, You need to be able to hold your own, to be able to call out what is right and to call out what is wrong. And even if the whole room says to you, that's not it, you need to be able to articulate why and then give the arguments and the facts as to why, not some blase, I think it's wrong and it's just wrong. No, show me your critical reasoning. But that is like when I hear you talk and hear you speak, it's like owning your space. Owning your space. Absolutely. And being being self-aware and self-conscious enough to know you you don't know everything, which is why you need to bring on amazing people to surround you, right? But knowing what you know well. Yeah. And I feel like that is really... Uh, an advantage when you have that because that puts you on the spot to make really good decisions. Absolutely. And then people trust you because as important as it is to say, I know something, you know what's equally important, Iris? Saying when you don't know something. Yeah. I believe so too. Yeah. And that's, Is there something? Yeah. yeah no, but that, that is important because I am... I am Hands up in the air, telling my team all the time, I am curious, I want to learn, I don't know these things, teach me, you know, and I make mistakes, you know, I, uh, um, there's a term that we use within the company, rashy roche, if something doesn't smell right, I can get really like um, uh, obsessed by it, you know, there's all these sorts of things that I myself need to work on, but Confidence and self-confidence and self-efficacy, all those things is about knowing what you know well and then being, you know, willing to go deeper on the things that you don't know, not being scared off and defensive, you mm-hmm. know. And, and, and I think that 
that really helps me have conversations with investors or partners or, or customers. Like, that's super interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. Not just quickly saying whatever comes to your mouth, but like totally internalizing it, you know? And I think that's what, that's what they, that's being authentic. That's what's being authentic. Yeah. Because when you have the, you know, the combination of self-efficacy and self-confidence, it's a lot. It's a lot. Because that is really a home base, which is really solid. So solid. Mm Because it means you're confident enough and then capable enough to go the distance. Yeah. And then you can handle the difficult conversation when things go well or don't go well. You can be sharp what you want and don't want. Yeah. And make better decisions. Yeah. It is really good. Is there something else you just want to say to our listeners? No, I think it's just, you know, if you've got a great idea and you think this could work, go do it. Go do it. Don't don't think it's not for me. There are so many females that I've met the last two years that are like, wow, the Quan story is really inspirational. You know, I've been thinking about, I'm like, that's, do it, you know. There are so many amazing people that had an idea and imagine they didn't go out and do it. (laughs) We wouldn't have the great products and services, right? And don't let the fact that you're a mom or you're still studying or whatever be the reason why you don't try. We're only going to be able to change these percentage points by having more women try yeah, I definitely think so, that we need more women, you know, trying and having those great ideas and having confidence that it will work out. Yes. So, Arosha, thank you so much for this interview. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me. This was an episode of the One Million Euro Stories. There is A new world to unlock. Let's believe. Let's be bold. Let's be fierce. Let us open a new door. I am Aris from the One Million Euro Stories. Thank you for listening. And if you want to make sure that you know when a new episode comes out from the One Million Euro Stories, click on subscribe on your podcast app. And you will be notified when a new episode comes out. Thank you for listening. And I will see you next time.